Welcome to Preparing for Divorce podcast. This is a monthly support podcast for those considering, preparing for, or navigating through divorce. This podcast is sponsored by Mainline Family Law Center, a divorce mediation firm that takes a holistic, integrated approach to assisting clients in navigating divorce in a healthy way. I am Pamela Elaine, your host for these monthly support podcasts. To all the listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to join my guest and me. I acknowledge your commitment to being well-informed and honored that Mainline Family Law Center is a resource for you. Just a little bit about me, your host. I am the mother of three teenagers and a preteen. I was married for 18 years and have been divorced for over four years. In my personal search for answers how to thrive, not just survive, after divorce, I started a journey of personal development and healing. As a result, I started speaking and coaching on the topic of resilience. I'm honored to help women discover a new and improved life after divorce. I appeared on the Dr. Oz Show to share my story and published a book that can be found on Amazon, Muddy High Heels. 14 Lessons Learned from My Breakdown, Breakup, and Breakthrough. You may like and follow my Facebook page, Divorced Single Mom Success, and there you'll find a lot of resources about how to continue your journey through divorce to the other side, which there is light. For those of you who are new to our podcast, you are tuned into a conversation between my guest and me to bring you valuable information about a specific topic related to divorce. To keep you engaged in this conversation between my guest and me, as well as to add a bit of levity to what can be a heavy topic, I divide the conversation into some interesting segments. The topic today of today's podcast is, I don't care what's fair. Now, divorce settlement is largely about what is equitable or fair. Couples discuss it, they fight about it, and they do worry about it. Today, my guest will offer an alternative perspective on this topic that may surprise you. Definitely, you will be informed and learn something about the divorce settlement process that may bring you a bit of relief. Let's begin our first segment, Getting to Know You. I'd like to introduce my guest, Tara Eisenhardt. Tara works as an author, coach, and mediator with a passion for healthy and happy divorces. She's the author of the book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, and the blog, Relative Evolutions. She currently writes for Divorce Force and is a professional member of the Divorcify Network. Tara's writing has been featured by the Huffington Post, DivorcedMoms.com, Family Affairs, Divorced Women Online, Stepmom Magazine, and MariaShriver.com. Tara's website is TaraEisenhardt.com. Welcome to the podcast, Tara. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm happy that you're happy because I'm delighted you're here. Tara, please say hello to the listeners and tell us more about yourself, how you got into the work you do, and what drives you to help others. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Tara Eisenhard. I love divorce. And... I know. No, wait, wait, wait. You just got to stop right there because that just throws, that threw me off when I first read it. I'm like, what? Just give a little bit about why you, why you even chose the word love divorce. Yes. So um, uh, part of why I chose it is because it's shocking. Um, but no, I actually yeah. do, um, I do love divorce. Divorce has been a really positive experience in my life, both as a child of divorce and also being a divorced woman myself. Um, I see divorce as a solution to a problem. You know, we look at it as a culture and, and look at it as this, this shameful thing, like divorce is a problem in itself. And I really believe that divorce is a solution to a problem. It's not the appropriate solution for everybody, but for some, it's, it's a life-saving solution. And so I'm, I'm really out here just kind of singing the praises of divorce and trying to spread the word that this can be a happy, healthy experience. 
Wow. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt your introduction to us, but I, I just had to stop on the love part because, I, I, again, to, to love something that most find so debilitating, so destructive, to use that word almost, almost seems irreverent. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like um, – it's kind of like doctors who, who love their work, but they, you know, they don't necessarily like the sickness that they treat, but they like helping people and they like seeing people come through things and, and being better and healing. And I think divorce is, is not the thing that people hate when they talk about hating divorce. They, you know, um, they don't like the disruption of a family they don't like the sadness um these are all you know kind of things that that a lot of times come into it before the word divorce is even spoken so um yeah Yeah, i have have a little bit of a a different perspective on it um i do think yeah well tell us take us into that perspective because we're very curious go ahead and share with us the perspective how how this happened for you and how you even came to a place that that you would find that you love it So I am a child of divorced parents. My parents separated when I was 13. And at the time, I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know what to expect. I was, um, you know, I, I thought that the world was over. And I realized that in some ways it was, but in other ways, it was really just a different chapter in my life. Divorce ended up being, I think, one of the best things that has happened in my family. As a result of that divorce, my parents' relationship with each other improved. My relationship with each of my parents improved. As my parents began to date and recouple with other people, there were more people that were brought into my life. There were more adults around me to love me, support me, help me with my homework, I had a, a pseudo stepsister who really became one of my best friends. And it was overall just a really positive experience. And so I grew up thinking that divorce was a good thing. And I got, you know, I grew up, I got married, and I married the, uh, a guy that I had grown up with. He was the little boy that sat behind me in fourth grade and used to pull my hair. And so... Um, it was a really cute story, but it was not a good marriage and um, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have gotten married, but that's, that's a whole other story. Um, but when we, when we realized that it was not the right situation for us and we needed to make a change, um, you know, I, I had this life experience to draw on where I knew that this could be a healthy and positive change for us in our relationship. And so we had a very good divorce. We had a very cooperative divorce. We talked through everything together. We separated all of our assets before I even called a lawyer to file the paperwork. Uh, And we made all of those decisions together. And we have a much better relationship now than we did when we were married. We don't talk all that much, but we don't hate each other either. So uh, it was also a very healthy, you know, good thing for me. Uh, But when I told people that I was getting divorced, that's when I realized that um, I'm, I'm not normal. And (laughs) (laughs) is is that because that's because they told you you're crazy? This is not normal or a little um, bit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I did. I I heard that too. But um, the, when I told people that I was getting divorced, everybody was either really, really sad for me or they were extremely angry on my behalf. And I was neither. I was really, um, you know, I was excited to be moving on. I was happy to have found this solution to this problem that my marriage was. I was really, you know, feeling very hopeful and happy and uh, independent. And nobody was happy for me. Mm, And so uh, I must have felt rather lonely. It did. Um, It did. And that was really what sent me on this search because 
I was so lonely. I wanted to find other people who were, who were feeling the same way that I was. And so I went to Amazon and I started searching for books about good divorces and people who were happy mm-hmm. to be divorced. And uh, mm-hmm. the first book that came up for me was a book called The Good Divorce by Constance Ahrens. And it was a book chronicling a research project where she wrote about uh, several families that she followed over the course of a couple decades and talked about the differences in the, what happened after they separated. She interviewed them. She talked to their children. It was really fascinating to kind of find out the different dynamics in the different families and how some of them were fiery foes and other than others were cooperative colleagues during and after the divorce. Um, and it was really fascinating to me. So I just kept going with the information, the research that I could find, and I, I just kept reading more and more books about divorce and in the meantime, I started uh, dating a divorced dad who had, um, you know, he had the the crazy ex-wife who I realized later was not crazy, but you know the stories mm. that get told. Um, sure. He had these children that were that were stuck in the middle. I was trying to figure out my place in this relationship, and it just continued to deepen my curiosity. And I had this insatiable urge to learn everything that I could about divorce and the mm-hmm. aftermath and step families and. Mm-hmm. So I spent a couple of years reading books, and when my family and friends got sick of listening to me talk um, about divorce, because it was kind of all I talked about, uh, mm-hmm. then I started writing my blog, and through the blogosphere, I found out about divorce coaching. I actually went to North Carolina, and I did my divorce coaching coach training with a woman named uh, Sandra Dopps through Emerge Victorious, and she was a real pioneer in the field. And... Um, then a couple years later, uh, I, I wrote and published my book, and um, I did my mediation training um, in 2014-15, and mm-hmm. here I am. I really just, uh, you know, I love divorce. This is, is one of those crazy kind of uh, hobbies that just never went away, and so I figured, well, you know, I better make it my life's work. <laughs> So I'm curious, what were you doing before you went into divorce coaching? I was um, I was actually working in marketing at the time. Um, I worked in marketing for a credit union. And uh, before I worked at the credit union, I actually was a travel agent for a few years in my early 20s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> okay. So... Um, I want to go into some very specific questions about this, about what you do. The title is, I don't care what's fair. And I can, I can just hear the way that that's said. I don't care, bleepley, what's fair. Or is that the tone of that statement, or is it actually a different tone to that statement? Because I think that matters. Yes. Uh, and, and it's really, when I say that I don't care what's fair, it's not really coming from a, a place of, of anger or, mm. or shock. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's coming from a place of really self-awareness and self-knowledge and realizing that every situation is a little bit different. Every family is a little bit different. And so when we take these ideas about fairness and splitting things, you know, having a, a 50-50 split on assets or something like that and say, well, that's fair. Um, mathematically, that might be fair, but it's not necessarily appropriate for a given situation. And so I think that when we talk about divorce, we spend a lot of time talking about what's equitable. We spend a lot of time talking about what the law says and what the judge is going to say. And really what we should be focusing on is, what's actually appropriate for the family in question. All right. So that means your statement, I don't care what's fair, doesn't go like this. I don't care what's fair. I'm going to get everything I deserve plus more. That's not what you're saying. So let's hear into (laughs) I don't care what's fair. What follows that statement is really your story about it. So why don't you take us into the story between you and your husband, and then we'll ask ask you to define fair versus appropriate. Sure. Tell us a story. 
Um, well, when I got divorced, my husband and I had a business that was doing pretty well. We actually owned two houses at the time. And going into this divorce, you know, thinking about what's, what's fair. So our, our business actually had two stores. So, like, I should have gotten a store and a house or the monetary equivalent of those. Um, and, and it was something that, you know, that I had sort of considered looking at the, what was coming up ahead of us. Um, but when, when we actually had the conversation we were able to be honest about what was happening and what we wanted to do, uh, I was able to, it's funny because the, the moment that I admitted to my husband that I hated him was the moment that I stopped hating him. Mm. And um, so when we, when we started to talk through things, um, we were united in the same goal of undoing our marriage. And the business was something that he had built for, um, you know, not for himself. I mean, he built it for us, but it was really, it was his blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. It was his dream. It was his gift. Uh, and it was his 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week that, uh, that had him in there and, and doing all of this. And I didn't want to take that away from him. And um, the two houses that we owned were in a town that I didn't want to live in. And what was really important to me was that we be able to move on and live our lives the way that we wanted to. That was what was wrong in our marriage. And that was what we were correcting by getting divorced. So I didn't, I didn't want what was fair and equitable. I wanted to live my life on my terms and do my thing. And I wanted him to have everything that he'd worked so hard for. I wanted him to keep that. So, um, so we did what was appropriate for us. And I, I walked away with a, a settlement that was a fraction of what I could have gotten if I had fought for more. But I was absolutely delighted with that. It was all that I needed and all that I wanted. And it helped a lot in keeping our relationship to be on better terms. So, uh, okay, let me make, let me make sure I got this. Let me make sure I've heard you correctly. So <laughs> this is the guy who you hated by your own admission. You just, you just hated this, this, your, your husband. And by the way, how many years were you married? Uh, we were together for about five. We were married for a little less than two. Okay, so you, you, you hated him and you told him that you hated him. He had built a substantial business, you could have had half, if maybe not more, of that business, and you decided to take less than that. Do, do I have that part right? Correct. Okay. And so tell me again why you made that decision when you could have gone about living a fantabulous life with what was your rightful share like why give that up and when you could still could have gone wherever you wanted to go and do whatever you wanted to do but with a lot more of your share right and it would have been so much easier for me to do everything that I wanted to do mm -hmm. That's <laughs> if, I, if I had walked away with with my share <laughs> yeah but um, but again, that's not, uh, that's not what was important to me. What, mm. like I said, the fact that we were so miserable in marriage was because we were both imprisoned in a life that we didn't want for different reasons, but we were sort of having this, this compromise existence and each of us resented the other for being stuck there. Mm -hmm. And when it came time to divorce, it was an opportunity for me to, like I said, do my thing on my terms, and uh, I was not the one that spent 12 to 14 hours a day at the office. I worked, I had a, a regular steady job that I worked my 40 hours a week, and that provided the steady income when we needed it, and it provided the health insurance, and, um, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, you know, that, that business wasn't my passion. It wasn't my blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. Uh, I, had a, I had a part in doing it because I supported him while he built it, but I didn't want to, 
it wasn't mine. Nothing about it was mine. Mm-hmm. And mm. taking any of it from him would have just felt terrible. I didn't want anything to do with that. So, and, oh, okay. you know, it's funny. My ex-husband makes fun of me all the time for being so ridiculously independent. <laughs> and, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. um, but in this case, you know, it really worked out in his favor. Well, what it sounds like, what it sounds like to me is that you weighed the consequences, and that's what I, the word I want to use specifically. It sounds like you weighed the consequences of going after everything you knew you were entitled to, the consequences of that and what that, the detriment, okay, that it might have caused down the road against the complete freedom that you were seeking and possibly a better relationship with your ex. Is that fair to say? It is. I didn't look too far down the road. Like now it's been 11 years since we got divorced and we still have a very good relationship. And at the time I wasn't thinking, well, in 11 years, he's still going to send me a text on my birthday and say happy birthday because I'm being Mm -hmm. so nice right now. It was much (laughs) more immediate and in the moment, but it was coming Mm -hmm. from this place of, what's what's really right here what's really appropriate mm. what do i mm-hmm. want and need to move on with my life versus what you know what is is his goal and passion to move on with his so then it sounds like you wanted to be a woman of integrity meaning integrity with your inner voice with what your inner voice was saying which was it's not He's worked hard for this. This is really his. I don't want to. I don't want to take away from him what he's worked so hard from. That was your inner woman saying this, and you didn't want your outer woman to um, go against what what's going on inside. Is that a little more accurate? Yes, I. I ah. That's that's absolutely kind of sums it up. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't, it wasn't just that I didn't want it, I didn't need it either. Mm. So I could take care of myself. I wanted to. Go ahead. I just, that's what I did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is really bringing up a very interesting perspective here, at least as I'm picking it up, that, you know, divorce is so debilitating. Oh, my gosh, it's so gut-wrenching. It's so hard. And I'm wondering if part of that, that emotional upheaval and discomfort we face on some level has to do with, I, has to do with the breach in our personal integrity around divorce. Like, how much of this anxiety and hurt and, oh, it's just so awful, has to do with, I'm not being true to what I think is the right thing to do. Versus, and in your case, you had to be, and maybe that's caused you a bit of peace that we may give up because we don't care what's fair. I'm going to get everything plus some. I remember, let me just tell you this real quick. Oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm going to confess this. But I remember saying to my ex, and we were in the tail end of the divorce and the settlement. I remember I was so pissed off at what was going down between us that uh, when I pulled into the driveway to pick up the kids and we were having some back and forth before the kids got in the car, some back and forth over tax returns, all like that. I remember saying to him, I'm going to take everything that is due me and I'm going to take your, and then I had a few, you know, words to say, (laughs) expletives to say over that. But I remember feeling so bad. So my, like my stomach was churning to say what I said and be intent on getting, like taking him to the cleaners. And that has in a way haunted me, I guess, because until, until recently I had to come clean and say, you know, i got to stop behaving in a way that's destructive for the relationship and, and, and look at this from a different place. I had to come into alignment with my own integrity. Okay, so that was a lot, I just said, <laughs> to get to the point, and this is about you, not about me, but to really bring forth to the listeners this concept of are you in alignment with what you really think is the right thing to do or are you doing what 
you've been told you ought to do, which is to take somebody to the cleaners or withhold what you know belongs to somebody else or just make things miserable because you're angry that you hated your husband or you hated your wife. Yes. There mm. is such an element of awareness that's mm. needed to, to be able to move forward and because in order to do what's appropriate, you have to know what's appropriate. Mm. And, and knowing what's appropriate for you involves having that really deep self-awareness um, mm. about yourself and your family and your goals and your needs and, and your values. That's huge. Tell us about how to get to what's appropriate. That's a big big word and most of us are demystified by like we don't I, I don't know what's appropriate I just know what I want how do you get to what's appropriate well the first piece of it is to really be honest um, mm. honest about what's going on honest about the fact that you know the relationship is is over, that things are irretrievably broken, that, you know, I don't want to be married to somebody who doesn't want to be married to me, that, uh, you know, I, I messed up, whatever it is. Um, but to be able to be honest about the situation and come to that place of acceptance about what's really going on. Um, mm. And then to, to be able to talk uh, to your ex and mm -hmm. have those conversations. You know, this is I like to say that divorce is a human process with a legal document attached to it, very much like marriages. We, yeah. we create our own marriage, um, and then you know, the legal document is just a piece of it. Uh, I think that divorce should really be treated the same way. Uh, we create our own marriage. We should create our own divorce. And so to be able to, to talk to your ex and be able to have these honest conversations about, okay, what do, what do we each want for ourselves, you know, moving mm -hmm. forward uh, separately and together, you know, especially if there's children in the mix, you know, how do we want to prioritize these things? What's necessary? What are our values that we want to be true to? What are our goals that we want to reach? And how can we, how can we construct something that's going to bring the biggest win for everybody? Um, so really just um, having those conversations with that honesty and then being able to use that knowledge and harnessing that personal power to kind of buck the system a little bit and make your own decisions about what, mm -hmm. what comes next. Um, and mm -hmm. mediators can be wonderful allies in that process rather than hiring separate attorneys and kind of going to war over things. Mediators are there to really empower people to construct their own creative solutions. You used, uh, you're describing self-awareness as a critical component of getting to the place called appropriate. Self-awareness is one of the first pillars of emotional intelligence. And I'm wondering, and it sounds to me that you employed the skill of emotional intelligence, whether you called it that at the time or not, of emotional intelligence in dealing with your divorce. You said earlier that you hated your ex, and the moment that you admitted to him that you did, things got a little easier for you. Can you share what really was going on? Like, what was the real self-awareness in that admission that you hated him? Like, something was going on for you, obviously. I mean, it always is when we say something to people like that, right? Mm -hmm. What was it that was going on inside of you, or what was it that you really wanted such that you would say, I hate you? You were really saying something else. What was it? Well, um, so let me just give you a little bit of background and I'll tell you the story about the night that everything went down. Uh, we had been, at, at this point, we'd been married for uh, over a year, year and a half, a little bit more, something like that. And, um, and things were, were really bad between us. They'd been bad and getting worse for a long time since not long after the ink was dry on the marriage certificate, really, to be honest. Um, so, um, I had been sleeping on the couch for the past couple weeks um, and we didn't talk a whole lot and we were really just kind of going through the motions and um, but I wasn't ready to throw in the towel. It wasn't that I, you know, had thought about it, but it was kind of like, well, I really, you know, 
wanted to try to make the best of the situation. But I was very resentful of him, and he was of me too, and we spent a lot of time apart, which worked out well because he worked all the time. So it made it a little bit easier. Um, so one night he worked really late. He came home at like 1130 at night and, uh, and he walked in. I was, I was in the bedroom and he came in and he said, I think we should separate. And he told me that he'd been on the phone with his mom and that he'd been talking to his mom about what was going on between us and that she thought it was a good idea. And I was so mad at him. I, I, got up and I yelled at him and I said, how could you do this? How could you just come in here and make this decision without talking to me about it? How could you talk to your mother about our marriage when you're not talking to me? And I took off my rings and I threw them in my jewelry box and I stomped out of the room and I went down the hall into our office and it's 1130 at night. Everything's dark. I didn't turn on any lights and I'm sitting in the office and the glow of the computer screen is the only light in the room and he followed me and he stood in the doorway and he looked at me and he said isn't this what you want don't you hate me Mm -hmm. and in that moment it was like a light bulb went off in my head and i said yeah I do hate you. And I, it, from that moment on, the path was clear as day. I said, we absolutely mm-hmm. need to separate. Let's get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it was such a relief because I had been mm-hmm. carrying all of this weight, all of this resentment every single day that I woke up in this town that I didn't want to live in, in this house mm-hmm. that I was financially responsible for and I didn't want. And um, and this this whole life that just made me sick to my stomach, honestly, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. trudging through every day. And so, I mean, he really, like, he's the one that said it, and I just agreed with him. Uh, But, but yeah, it was was a real light bulb moment. And then from that point on, we were, we were absolutely united in our, in our decision. This is the solution to our problem. Let's, fix this Mm -hmm. as soon as possible and move on with our lives. So you really had to get real, like raw real, (laughs) with what you were feeling about your relationship with him and real about what you were feeling about yourself in your relationship with him. That helped clear the path for let's move out of this land affair into this place of what's appropriate. I mean, because if you hadn't gotten there, you might have made very different decisions about what is due you. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If I had not had that moment of clarity, we might still be in court. Who knows? Yes. 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 So there is not only an emotional expense, there is a financial expense, there is a spiritual expense, and there is a mental expense to going to, to, to not having the clarity about what you want and about what's going on inside of you, to not have the self-awareness. There is a huge expense here. Mm-hmm. And it sounds yeah. like you're trying to help us. Let, let's not get into this, this long, short-term and long-term expense on all those levels, and let's get into what can bring, what can make your relationship and your divorce as easy and as manageable and as appropriate as possible. Absolutely. It's, it's a, you know, it's about family, <laughs> mm, yeah. not, not yeah. legalities. It's about, it's about relationships when you, oh, when you come right that. down to it. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Well, speaking of relationships, we cannot end this segment, which, which we've already moved into the segment of getting to the point. We cannot leave this segment out talking about your book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes. This, I was reading this book, and I was, I was having my own emotional response to it. Because you write, this is, if, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the book, background of the book, and then three important takeaways you want every reader to have. Sure. So the book is, um, it is the Divorce Through a Child's Eyes. It follows, uh, tells the story of a 12-year-old girl from her perspective through, through a year of her life. 
from the night that she overhears her parents fighting and they say that they're going to get a divorce and what happens over the next 12 months after that. It's told from her perspective. Um, and it, when I first started writing it, I thought I was writing the book for 12-year-old girls. But I, I realized after I got a little ways into it that I wanted parents to read it too because one of the biggest problems in divorce, the reason that divorce isn't wonderful, beautiful, and healthy for everybody is because we all have our own view and we all have our own stories and we talk to other people who validate our perspective and our stories and we don't realize that somebody on the other side has a completely different story, is living a different story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and parents make these um, assumptions about their children a lot, um, you know, who their children agree with, who their children want to live with, who their children side with, um, you know, whether or not their children are, are handling things okay. And so I wanted yeah. to tell this story from the perspective of this 12-year-old girl who was living this experience, but I wanted adults to read it to see what it actually looks like for her. And um, it's not my personal story. People ask me that all the time. Um, what I did was I took my story, which was much happier, and, uh, and I took myself and my – I was 13 at the time, but I figure kids are growing up a little faster now, so I made my character 12 mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. kind of gave her the same feelings that I had. Her story starts off very much the same. I also overheard my parents fighting, and that was how I learned that they planned to end their marriage. Um, my dad moved out while I was on vacation with my other family mm-hmm. members. That happened mm-hmm. in the book as well. Um, but her parents relate to each other a lot differently than mine did. And so I, I put myself in that situation and thought about what that would be like um, for me and you know how, how kids – feel about that. Um, So I really see it as a tool for the whole family. It's something that everybody can read, um, that they can talk about, because different things will stick out to different people. So the the three major takeaways are, one, that divorce looks different to everybody. It looks different through my eyes. It looks different from my ex's eyes through, you know, even outsiders like my parents or my boss. Divorce looks completely different to other people. Um, The second thing is not to make assumptions about what somebody Mm. else is thinking, what somebody else is feeling, the meaning behind somebody else's actions. And the third one is uh, that children really do need both their parents. The D word tells a story of um, Gina actually becomes estranged from her father for a while because she's in this loyalty conflict and she feels like she needs to decide with her mom. And um, Mm -hmm. mom thinks that everything's great, Um, but really Gina's hurting a lot. And so I I want people to realize Mm -hmm. that um, that both parents are, are important. Yeah, I that was one of the takeaways that I got from the book also, Tara. It, there is a, another takeaway that I got, which is TMI is TMI. In, on page 61, you write, I thought, this is Gina talking, I thought, the 12-year-old, I thought she was, was upset that my dad left. I didn't know why she wanted the divorce to happen faster than it was. I needed her help to understand. Are you happy about the divorce? Mom thought for a minute. Well, yes, she said finally. I am happy about the divorce, especially after the good time we had last night. Now it's time of drinking. I'm ready to get on with my life and start having fun again. That's good, I told her. And then the mom goes on to say this, which I thought was TMI. I was unhappy with your dad for a long time, she went on, and now I don't have to be miserable anymore. Now, um, I just thought that... It sounds benign, but this poor little Gina was stuck, struck with, wait a minute, so you've been miserable all this time and what, been faking it? <laughs> you, like, this is, like, you haven't been happy with that? Like, that was another blow to the blow she had already been experiencing with her parents being divorced and dad moving out and then there's a girlfriend involved, da, 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 da. But I don't know that, and, and the reason why it really was a takeaway for me is because I can remember my own moments of TMI with my children saying, thinking that it's okay to say certain things because they can handle it, but it really was devastating to them to learn some of the things that I just thought, well, I just, I never, I was miserable for 18 years with that. Like that is just hard for a child 
to take in, to understand they're still developing emotionally and psychologically. And something as small as that statement is huge in their hearts and minds. Right. Um, and, and Gina goes on after that. She, she's wondering, you know, was my whole life a lie? And she's thinking yes. back to, you know, right. we, we had exactly. such a good time when we did this and we did that. And, you know, I remember all of us laughing yeah. and was that all fake? And, and it pulls yeah. her into this place that uh, the 12 year olds really don't need to be in. And it is hard for parents. Um, and everybody, I, <laughs> you know, I, I always say, even even the most perfect parents will have children who wind up on a therapist's couch when they're 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> yeah. um, every, everybody makes mistakes. But the aim of the book is really just to kind of inspire a little bit more mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm, um, and you can, yeah. you know, there's some children that you can have that conversation with probably, you know, when they're older, uh, you know, probably I've, when they're older. Yeah. I've had yeah. conversations with my parents years and years after their divorce that, yeah. um, you know, where they shared things with me that would not have been appropriate at the time, but yeah. years later, you know, yeah, it makes sense. And we can talk about that and, and we're all adults, but yeah, yeah that's, that's, uh, inspire that's, a little more mindfulness. Yeah, and I think that is actually what I felt experienced when while reading the book. That it's time, even though my kids are I have three teenagers and there's a preteen, I there's still mindfulness that is required as they they're still journeying through this. They still have setbacks, and so do I. Honestly, they still have setbacks. But it helped me to rethink some of the things I've said in the past, and, and as I move forward to withhold some things that are just not important for them to know right now. It's helping me think a little bit more clearly about how I want to show up, what I want to say, who I want to be with them to help them through this process as well. Wonderful. I love to hear that because that was, that was really what, what I wanted to bring across when I, when I wrote it. That's why it became so important to me that the content of the book spoke to adults as much as children. Yeah, nicely done. Well, let's move into our next segment. This is one of my favorite segments. It's called Going Rogue. It's time for the segment, Going Rogue, and I will make three bold, unapologetic, yet slightly controversial statements to which you, Tara, will respond with either, I agree, or I disagree, and then explain why. Okay, Tara, are you ready? I am. Most couples are too selfish and too self-centered to consider what is, quote-unquote, appropriate in divorce. I disagree with that. I don't think that couples are inherently selfish and self-centered. I think that the selfish and self-centeredness comes from a lack of awareness. And if we had a better cultural discussion around divorce and couples were more aware of the options uh, that they have, they would naturally be more open, more aware, and more willing to look at what's appropriate. Statement number two. Tara, you were poorly informed and ill-advised during your divorce. That's why you settled for quote-unquote appropriate versus quote-unquote fair. I disagree with that as well. Everybody oh. wanted to, uh, to give me advice and tell me what to do. Um, uh. And so I, oh, you know, when you make statements like ill-advised, that can go either way. So. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I did, I definitely got a, a lot. Uh-oh, Terry, you still there? I'm definitely here. got a lot. Okay, yeah. I, I think we, I lost you for a second. You said I definitely got a lot, and then that was it. With a lot uh, okay, of so yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely got a lot of advice and a lot of instruction throughout my process. I I didn't make all of my decisions in a vacuum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, statement number three: Children who are aware of their own feelings of uncertainty in divorce are better able to help the family transition and heal than children who are unaware. I agree that children who are aware can, in some ways, smooth out the process. They can bring their feelings to light. They can make sure that they're communicating 
how they're feeling, what they're needing. Um, however, that's not their job. And so mm. while they might be very good at keeping the peace or, you know, kind of running interference between mom and dad, that's a situation that they shouldn't be in. Nice. All right. Thank you for that. So let's move to our next segment, Did You Know? So in Did You Know, Tara, you're going to offer our listeners three secrets or relevant resources or interesting bits of knowledge that most of us don't know. You'll begin each statement with, did you know, and then you'll complete the statements, okay? All right. All right, take it away. So did you know that the divorce rate in 1946 was 43%? Ooh, no. <laughs> I love this fact. Um, it, did, it, was, it was lower before and after that. But in 1946, the divorce rate was 43%. And even into the 50s, the divorce rate hovered between 20 and 25%. So we have this idea where we romanticize the past and we want to shame couples that go through divorce because, well, nobody in my family has ever been divorced. Nobody on Leave it to uh, Beaver got divorced. Um, yeah, but that's not true. Right. Yeah, it's uh, mm. divorce has been around and uh, and it was even you know it was pretty high even in the 40s. Wow. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that, good. <laughs> that was number one. Um, did you know that you can save money on your divorce by using more professionals throughout the process? Oh, speak on that one. So this is, um, you know, the current paradigm of divorce where people go and they get two attorneys and they kind of go to war. Uh, this idea that the attorney is the only professional that you need. When I say I'm getting divorced, the first thing somebody else says to me is, do you have a good lawyer? Um, mm -hmm. But sure. lawyers can do a lot of double work, especially when you're talking about finances, for instance. So it can often be helpful to use with the, the financial piece to talk to a financial neutral, to go to a uh, certified divorce financial advisor, somebody who can take the whole financial picture, do some really comprehensive work on it, and help people to make a decision as opposed to paying two separate attorneys to do the same kind of financial discovery and then talk back and forth between each other about what's best. Um, so that's, that's one example. The other one is to um, have support for the emotional piece of it. Um, people who take their emotions to their attorney get big bills and not a whole lot of help with their emotions. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. working with a therapist or working with a coach who can help with the directional piece of it um, can take a lot of the anxiety out of the process, and then therefore mm -hmm. the attorney can be just the, the legal point person who can focus mm -hmm. on the business piece of the divorce and not charge you $300 to talk about that time that my husband burned the turkey at Thanksgiving and ruined mm -hmm. the holiday for everybody. Mm, yeah. Uh, just before you get to the third, did you know, I, I want to just add in, this is one of the reasons why Mainline Family Law Center is such a great firm, because they have all of the support a couple will need integrated into the work that they do. So they cover the gamut. And in that, in that way, they're able to save couples thousands of dollars. So I just really want to put a plug in right there. because I, I really think visiting their website, which I'll talk about at the end, is really important for looking at the array of professionals in the process. What's your third did you know? Third did you know is that all marriages last until death do us part. And um, a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that. But if you think about it, I am not the same person that I was yesterday, and neither are you. And mm. so uh, people change immensely as they travel through life. Um, you know, when I got married, I was much younger. I looked different. I had a different job. I drove a different car. I lived in a different place. Um, as we, we grow and we change and we learn new things and we have new – we develop new goals and we develop new awareness about ourselves – so you get into a marriage, and the people who are standing there in the marriage are not the same people that took those vows however many months or years ago. Um, and so I think that, you know, really all marriages last 
through that period uh, because we, mm. we become different people. Yeah. Wow. That was good. That's wonderful. Thank you for those did you know. Let's now go into the offer. Tara, what offer or resource or giveaway do you have for our listeners? Um, I have a um, I have a, a wonderful uh, coupon code actually. When is this uh, podcast gonna air? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, you well, want to put a time frame around this? I have um, I have a program that's starting on Monday um, on July 17th called Divorce Made Doable. This is a, a recurring program, um, so I, I, it's a six-week program, and I run one every couple of months. But I do have a coupon code for $100 off that program. Um, and the uh, the coupon code there is thanks Pamela, all one <laughs> word, um, T A N K S. P-A-M-E-L-A. Uh, so anybody who is interested in, um, in Divorce Made Doable can use the, the code there and get $100 off. Now, you said that you have one coming up on the 17th of July. So you have one. Um, so if someone's listening to this well after the 17th, they can still use that code? Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Um, Wonderful. The uh, the code will be. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the code be available um, through uh, through the end of 2017. So anybody who's oh, listening to this even way after in the archives yeah. in a couple months, be, still oh. be good. Well, thank you. That's a very generous offer of $100 off. That's wonderful, Tara. Thank you. Well, this is now our last segment. This is our wrap-up. I can't believe it. I could talk to you all day, Tara. But it is time to say goodbye. Do you have any final thoughts, points of clarification, information for our listeners, including how to contact you? So my, my biggest thing is really just to encourage people to cultivate some greater self-awareness, try to shut out a lot of the noise as you're going through this process, and listen to that voice that's inside you. There are a lot of resources available to help people. There's coaches and, and mediators and therapists, and of course, we, we know about the, the legal system. Um, but there's a lot of assistance out there for people to help navigate this process, and really, the experts in the family are the members of that family. So own your own power and, and decide your own process. Um, if I can be of assistance to anybody along the way, my website is taraeisenhard.com. That's T-A-R-A. E as in Edward. I S as in Sam. E and as in Nancy. H-A-R-D as in dog.com. Thank you so much, Tara, for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. I've learned so much from you today. Thank you. Mainline Family Law Center can be reached via the website myhealthydivorce.com. Spend some time on their website because it is full. I promise you, it is so full of useful information to help you. The website is beautifully designed and very easy to navigate. I can be reached via my website, yourresiliencecoach.com. Please join us in August for another insightful conversation to help you achieve a healthy divorce. Be sure to check out myhealthydivorce.com for upcoming details. Until then, remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters. <laughs>